0: Welcome to the Brave Feminine Leadership podcast, where we share stories from amazing leaders just like you and me. We break down myths of leadership, imposter syndrome, and we ask what Brave Feminine Leadership means and does it need to change? All of these interviews were originally recorded in video format. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Brave Feminine Leadership for news on when new video series will be dropping. It's wonderful to meet you. Drop me a note if the content resonates, melissa at bravefeminineleadership.com.
1: Let's get brave.
0: Welcome to our interview series on Brave Feminine Leadership. Today, I'm trying something new. Today, I've got two incredible women joining us as part of the conversation. So I would love to welcome Lisa Andrews and Christina Gerakides. (laughs) How are you both? Wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, Fantastic. thank you. Thanks, Mel. Awesome being here. Absolute pleasure. So, I am going to firstly just give a very brief bio for each of you to introduce you to our audience, and then I'm going to ask you to both expand on that. So, let's see how we go. So, Lisa Andrews, firstly, describes herself as an energized introvert who's inspired by a future of perfect knowledge. With a financial data and engineering background, Lisa's working on the question, how to give everyone a fair start in life and maximise human potential at each stage throughout life. As a serial entrepreneur, in 2018, she won the Hunter Outstanding Young Entrepreneur, uh, Entrepreneur of the Year Award. That was a mouthful trying to get that out, Lisa. Today, we're talking to Lisa amongst many things but as co-ceo ceo of singularity u australia singularity u australia focuses on educating empowering and inspiring leaders to use exponential technology to solve the world's grand challenges lisa great to have you join us thank you so much and over to Christina, Christina Gerakides. I think I said your name wrong the first time, Christina, except my apologies.
1: You should hear some of the versions I've had growing up and at school, Mel. You did very well.
0: Excellent. So, um, Christina is a real catalyst for change and is on a mission to educate, empower, and inspire leaders to converge transformational technologies to impact and solve humanity's grand challenges. So as co-CEO of Singularity U Australia, Christina's really focused on disrupting current mindsets to moonshot thinking, exploring what is possible rather than what is acceptable or limited. I'm excited to get into the conversation. Uh, I'm excited to hear the story about how you met. But before we do that, I might just ask individually, and Lisa, I might ask you if you're happy to go for it first. Just a little bit about for anyone who hasn't met you before,
2: why are you who you are? That is a really, really big question. I think I'm still trying to work it out a little bit. Um, definitely what inspires me, as you mentioned, a future of perfect knowledge. I like to say I'm like Iron Man in training. So if you think about uh, Iron Man and He had Jarvis, which was his personal assistant and helped in so many different ways. Uh, I also really would love to have rocket boots, Um, thinking about all these different technologies and then how we've been inspired throughout our life from sci-fi and when science fiction becomes science fact, to then really realise exactly where we're at now. I'm a CFO by training and part of that is where are you at? Where do you want to be? And then the gap analysis is really that execution plan. And I think that there's just so much coming into the future that is really exciting with the convergence of technologies and the ability of what we're going to be able to do. Uh, So why am I and who am I today? Um, My past, I guess I've had two kidney transplants. One when I was 17 and one four years ago. And I've just realized that life is too short and not to work on purpose and things that are meaningful and show up as your best self every day is, doesn't inspire me. So I'm going for the energized introvert version of um, the typical finance person with the, the back room of the spreadsheets is like a little bit in my heart. However, I'm out there and trying to share this message with everyone because we all can make a difference.
0: Fantastic. And Christina, why are you who you are? And uh, I'm going to just remind you of something that sort of stuck with me since you and I first met. And it was a comment you said at a certain point in your life, you thought you were too cool for school. So I might throw you back there.
1: Oh, thank you for that. So I did have an experience uh, when I was in my teens. And I was invited to go to a Rotary Youth Leadership Award, uh, which was, uh, you know, Ryla, it was called. And I thought, I'm too cool for school. I played in a rock band. I was in every drama play that moved. I did all these really cool things, you know, and I went, Ryla, Rotary, give me a break. No way. Um, I'll go because I've been nominated by the law firm that I was actually doing, working through a a clerkship with at a time because the first career I had was in law. Uh, And so I went with an escape plan um, and it turned out to be the most inspiring and changing point of my life to the point where it was a, a seven day um, leadership program on the Wednesday, which was the middle day. I remember being in the bathroom, looking in the mirror and going, oh my God, who's that? Like who's in the bathroom with me? And then I had a closer look and I realized it was myself. So wow. my transformation, my acceptance of self had taken such a big change that I didn't even recognize who I was looking at um, in the mirror. So that was an amazing experience so I often say to people now be careful what you assume about somewhere that you're going and take every opportunity because I've been there and I had the escape route and I would have not lived an amazing experience um, that that has altered my whole life and has got me to where I am now and is the reason why we do what we do now because I believe that we have the power to transform lives if we listen and if we collaborate and if we put the right people in the room and choreograph the right programs. So one of my passions is writing programs that are are, are life-changing. But I, as I said, I started in law. Um, I then moved into television production because I decided I didn't wanna be um, a lawyer for a number of reasons. Uh, Went from television production into natural therapies, went from natural therapies into running a music school at a tertiary organization, moved into running a film and television school. Then i was asked to run an innovation um, arm or start an innovation arm before innovation was trendy and you know everybody wanted to have an innovation officer in an innovation department uh, and i guess where i am now is is that actual um joining of and the convergence if you like because that's a word i love using the convergence of all the skills i've ever learned and i've got to say i was really angry and didn't like myself for a while because i thought you're just a jill of all trades you're not a specialist in anything you who are you, imposter syndrome, everything that went along with with all those positions, you know, that, that I was fortunate enough to have and be supported in. Uh, and then realized, oh, my goodness, if I take all of those skills and put them all together, like I played in a rock band, because now we do keynote speaking. I taught taught at a, at a tertiary institution because We're in front of executives using those skills all the time. So every single thing I've learned along the way from from the healing to the law to media, everything has led me to where I am now and led me to the beautiful Lisa. And we have this amazing co-CEO-ship happening uh, and out there to change and to serve the planet and people and everybody that we can.
0: Fantastic. There's so many things I want to pick up in that and we will as we go through the conversation. But I would just love to hear about, you know, imagine being a fly on the wall with the two of you meeting. Uh, Who wants to jump in about how did you actually meet and, uh, and what happened?
2: I think we've been connected our entire lives, which is a beautiful moment of realisation when we were actually introduced by a mutual friend and I'd been in Sydney, I'd just moved back to Newcastle and she had said to us both, you're both talking about the same things, I think you need to meet and we'd organized a coffee for half an hour, an hour. And I think it was three to four hours later. uh, She had well and truly left and Christina and I were still talking about how we can change the world and humanity and all of the amazing conversations that we had. And it was interesting to then start working together and realize we posted a photo together on social media and I think it was the first realization moment where my auntie and uncle saw the photo and said is that young Christina and uh, she had actually been uh, singing in choir with them from when she was very very young uh, which then led to I believe that she sung at my mom and dad's wedding in that same choir um, and then years later, part of this intertwinedness is I ended up on kidney dialysis and sitting next to Christina's dad through that process for a few years. And so I think it's as if we were always in each other's world and it was just waiting, the universe was waiting for the right time for us to meet to be able to then get out and have that exponential impact together.
1: How amazing. To unleash us. What were you going to say, Christina? No, I just said to unleash us on the unsuspecting. What were your first impressions of Lisa? Uh, well, I think that that, um, that we sat there and spoke for three to four hours and, and there are times I have to say where I feel a little bit guilty because I think we almost totally ignored um, the friend that had introduced us and she kind of went, yeah, job done, see you later. Um, but it was that it was, it was like meeting it was meeting somebody who was traveling the same path as you who had such complementary skills to what you, you, I don't have. So we often joke that apart from the obvious, like Lisa's the blonde on the brunette, um, you know, we make a really good ABBA, ABBA um, musical combination. Um, but Lisa came up with a terminology. She said that she does the one, two, threes, and I do the ABCs. And it just, it goes together. So anything that's numbers wise, I go, can you, email lisa phone lisa talk to lisa Mm. um and you know not that lisa doesn't write well or, or you know articulate well because she does um but if there's any anything in that particular zone that's my area i love the um the choreographing and the exploration of new experiences and again it's not that lisa doesn't and it's not that i don't like processes but lisa will pull it back into a process and i and like I love process as well. I love knowing what's going to happen. I've got the longest to-do list in the world, that sort of thing. But it's just that total complementary. And I just, I had Lisa speak. I was running an innovation program at the time and I just went, oh, can you come and speak at, at, at you know, come and speak to this group of people, you'll love them. Um, and then it was just that, that multiplier effect from there. Um, and then the time was right for us to, to um, collaborate and bring SU into Australia. And then it, it's just grown from there. Did it feel natural?
0: I'm interested in your backgrounds. Do you come from back? I mean, it's, it's not everybody builds their own thing, which is what the two of you have done. Um, did it feel natural to do that? Was that something different? Like what, what in your backgrounds kind of led do you think to, to building your own, um, you know, work together, building your own careers?
2: interesting question because I actually just read on the weekend in the book Sapiens about how numbers and ledgers and record keeping was created 5,000 years ago and taught humans to be more like machines and follow frameworks and a little bit more robotic and um, we've got that ability to do that but then there's also the creative side as well so I've learned so much from Christina in that creative side Uh, For me, it's really how do you actually create those frameworks and then impact more people? And I sold an engineering business back in 2012. I was 29 at the time. And I walked into Singularity University in Silicon Valley and there was a sign that was in the front door that said, how will you have a positive impact on a billion people in the next 10 years? Mm. And it took me back. And I thought, am I doing it all wrong? I know I'm a really smart person. I believe I'm a really smart person. I've worked really hard and I've achieved a lot in my life. But to impact a billion people will need a completely different mindset. And so I stewed on that question for years and thinking, what would it take? And, you know, definitely the right mindset. You definitely need to use technology. And then focusing on having an impact because a billion people There's 7.7 billion people on the planet. And so what are the populations or the world's biggest problems that can be around that? And so to actually create it in a business uh, for ourselves is really just uh, utilising that creative nature of going, where is the gap? Where is the challenge? And I think a lot of businesses at the moment, um, startups, people, uh, large corporates are thinking about that question of how to utilise technology and what is the right mindset And so the more we looked into that and um, thought there's this huge opportunity and with Christina's amazing creative skills of creating programs and whatnot to have those experience, it's then um, there's an opportunity to really impact a lot of people, help Australia have a disproportionate impact by creating those, uh, creating a business around it.
0: How long after that did you meet or did you already know each other when you went to Silicon Valley?
2: It was three years after that that we met, which was, I think, the perfect amount of time for that question to stew in my mind to then meet someone else. That I think it's a that exponential impact where one plus one is more than two, and we met and thought, okay, now it actually feels like it's uh, possible. It's interesting. Which is also (laughs) that's Christina's specialty is making the impossible possible. So I'll I'll ask her to expand on that bit.
1: Wow. So. Uh, I had actually had a, had a separate Singularity U experience to Lisa. I'd been um, attending the Boston Innovation Festival and had as a speaker or a workshop presenter or a writer, and I met um, in the early days of SU, met a lot of their speakers. So I met Cillium, I met Ramez Nam, I met, um, I met uh, Raymond McCauley, you know, I met, I met these most of my, who had the most profound effect on me. And I think what I loved was how they used uh, all their knowledge and all the research and whatever information they could gain to have a positive impact. Like there was this whole emphasis on positivity. And, and I had felt like almost an imposter, idealist, you know, positive thinker, et cetera. And then I met Lisa and went, oh, my God. There's more people in the world who do this and who want to have this positive mindset because for some reason we find it really easy to fall into the negative um, and it takes a little bit extra to boost us into the positive. So to have that um was was an amazing uh, synergy as well and just that uplifting and and as lisa often says you the the people that you know you, you are some of the five people that you surround yourself with and we were both trying to, to surround ourselves with the most uplifting people and to have the most uplifting experiences in order to uplift everyone else and it doesn't mean that you don't have a down day and it doesn't mean that you don't feel like falling up in a fetal ball and you know having a little tantrum on the floor, but you have to get back up again. Uh, and I think that's the thing. And and when you've got a co-CEO, can I just say that we both prop each other up again and hold each other up again. And it's really, really special.
0: It's so lovely to hear of a partnership where that works mm-hmm. um, and that you, I think both understand the strengths that you bring to, to that space. Christina, can I ask you, I really loved when I read your LinkedIn profile, you list your values on there. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple on there, um, and one was Soul's Purpose. And I wanted to ask about Soul's Purpose, and I wanted to ask in particular about I find people challenged with that question, and I find people put pressure on themselves about that question. Can I just
1: ask you about that? Sure. So I've been very fortunate to have worked with Simon Sinek. Start With Why team. I haven't worked with Simon Sinek. I always need to make that. People go, oh, my God, you met Simon Sinek. I go, no, I haven't. I've worked with his start with why team I've met and worked with the most amazing man Peter Docker who's his right hand man in the UK. Um, and it's a journey and it's a it's a never-ending journey. So I think the pressure comes because people think they've they have to find something, land on it, and that's it forever. And it's so big that it can't be obvious to them. Um, but in fact, sometimes it's in the simplicity that you find what that purpose is. Uh, and for me it is enabling the enablers to make the impossible possible so and then i go well what does that actually mean and it means creating opportunities which is what we're doing in order to have educational experiences or go on and do a keynote talk or to run a workshop or whatever that says to somebody you can do this and it doesn't matter whether somebody does something really tiny or whether they do something Global changing. It doesn't matter whether you impact and have a ripple effect on two or three people, or whether you have an impact on on a billion people. You are doing what your soul's purpose is, and I think it's very much connected to how you want to live your life, uh, and it's very much connected on your definition of success. So some people will think a definition of success is to have a million dollars in the bank and to be influential and to be on ten boards and and whatever. Other people will go, hey. If I create this beautiful room for somebody, it's gonna have a long lasting effect. All I wanna do is create gorgeous lounge rooms or gorgeous pieces of furniture. And I don't mean all I wanna do, but what that is of immense value and, and an immense use of talent. And I believe every single person on the planet has a unique skill and a unique talent that can contribute to the happiness um, of everybody around them.
0: Mm. Lisa, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to ask about, you know, you talk about helping people maximise their potential. I wanted to put that in the context um, and tell me if this works or not, but um, one of the other interviews in the series, I was talking about leadership and an observation was made around um, the number of leaders I've seen who won't ever reach their full potential because they lack self-awareness. I just wonder if that
2: resonates into that kind of subject with you at all. Definitely. And I love frameworks as I look at, how do you actually show up as your best self? And I think if we look at even Maslow's hierarchy of needs of how do you have your base needs met to then be able to self-actualize and then want to give back to others. And so I look at a framework of just each of the seven areas of your personal life. So typically it's spiritual, health and fitness, friends and family, relationships, personal development, finances, business, and then in each of those areas, where do you have scarcity? And for me it was health for a very long time in having two kidney transplants. And I think this is where some people get caught with that purpose of being able to give back because they're almost in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have a holistic... Uh, grasp on yourself and your own world, then there's not that ability to then you know move your way up Maslow's hierarchy of needs to self-actualize and then want to look after others. And when we overlay that of how to actually have a positive impact in the world i think there's a ripple effect of yourself and then your immediate family your extended friends and family your local community the country and the world and the size of that impact is where you're comfortable to be able to have that biggest difference and sometimes it's really just showing up for yourself or your family or your teams if you've got a a business or if you're in a, a leadership role how do you help bring out the best in everybody around you And to be able to get in that mindset where you're not scarcity survival mode yourself and you want to give back. And that's that core shift for me. Uh, And then to add on to that even more, we've got the ability now to use the data and sensors and all sorts of things to be able to then um, be a little bit more aware through augmented assistance things like the aura ring which you know it's giving me a readiness score for the day based on my sleep score and my average heart rate my heart rate variability and all the rest and I think um, with this big data you get big insights which then we need to turn into big actions and as I geek out and go way into the future I think about how can the technology assist us always to be of ourselves to then help and augment that process. So imagine walking down the street and the city knows if you're away from your baseline of happiness and is able to provide the assistance that you need when you need it. And geeking out more into technology, the amount of data that we're actually capturing, even this uh, interview here is recorded. So in the future, how do we actually look back? And I think visual recognition is one of those technologies that's going to be um, used a lot more. In that we might be able to run this interview through an algorithm in or through a system in ten years' time and be able to see what our baseline happiness was and where we we're at at the time. And so um, the more that we can actually focus on those good questions of helping others around us show up as their best self, whether it's augmented with technology or not, it's a nice way to live to then almost, you know, understand where you're at yourself, but then also your impact on other people. Wow. Well, um, I don't know if that answered your question.
0: <laughs> no, you did. You did. Um, you did. And there's just so many avenues there to to kind of dive into. I'm going to jump into Future by Design, which is I know something that the two of you are very passionate about. And I want to talk about how can people how can people use that to design their own futures?
2: I know we always get what we focus on, and I think that's the biggest thing for me on a future by design. And if you focus on negative things, you get negative things. And Tony Robbins says, if you're actually driving a race car and you're saying, "Don't look at the tree, don't look at the tree, don't look at the tree." What are the likeliness? Uh, what is the likelihood that you're going to hit the tree? And so how do you actually show up in your own life and each day focus on good questions? I know we practice a lot of gratitude and ask really good questions. How do we do that in the design of the next future of the planet and people and our businesses? So looking at a two- or a 20-year business plan, if you have a workshop with your teams and you say, how do we actually want to be in 20 years' time? Typically when you go around the room, You'll get the challenge is this the challenge is that the challenge is this and so a future by design for me is actually let's put ourselves in the future it's the year 2035 you've just woken up what does the world look like let's create that vision so that we're not focusing on challenges we're focusing on what is possible christina, i've got a personal
0: um i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the same question christina Um, Before we do that, I've got a personal example of the don't look at something, which was years and years ago, driving with my mum, and I was a fairly new driver, um, heading out into the country, and there was a dead possum on the road. And the only thing the two of us kind of said is, whatever you do, do not hit that possum. Well, of course, I hit the possum. And in a million years, I couldn't have. If I'd lined up to hit it, I could not have hit it. (laughs) Instead, thank God it was already dead. So, um, but totally get what you mean about that visual side of things. Christina, when I say future of design and I talk about people designing their own future, what does that bring up for you? Uh,
1: Science fiction, because if you have a look into science fiction, we actually realise that what was science fiction is now science fact. So I always look to science fiction for what that, for the possibilities. And if I truly believe what I say, in that impossible can move to possible, particularly with all the converging technologies that are available now. Anything is possible. You just have to put your mind to it. And, and my I just read the other day, we've been talking about what it might look like with artificial transplants and everything. They've actually created an artificial heart and transplanted it into a human being um, in the last month or so. So the long-term results of that still remain to be seen. We've just put two spaceships on Mars, we've just had two tourist trips head into space. These were all things that were once in somebody's imagination. So, and that's not to say that everybody has to have, you know, a, a moonshot. Where well, we can't even call it a moonshot anymore. It's like more like a Pluto shot because we've already been to Mars. Um, but what is it that you really, really, really want to happen that we can use every single ounce of our energy of our, and I mean energy in a good way, because. you have a look at the science we're all vibrating particles you know that they've actually got down to every single solid matter is made up of vibrating particles and the only reason that you can't walk through it is because the particles vibrate and they and they don't allow the gap within those vibrations for you to walk through um but we are made up of energy we are the sum of the energy around us we can create you know, Here's an exercise for anybody that's listening, and I don't really want you to spend too long on the, on the bad side of it, but decide one day that you are totally happy, that you are going to smile at everyone, that you want to have the most marvelous day and put your energy behind that energy and see how you end up at the end of the day. And then don't spend very long doing this, but decide that you feel not so hot and I, and I did this exercise once in a in a um in a workshop that i ran and i won't do it again because the person was like affected for the rest of the workshop but i walked up to this guy and i said hey are you feeling all right you look a bit sick and he went oh do i oh you know what i, I did have a rumble in my stomach anyway because i had suggested it he had a rotten next couple of hours and i've I, like i refused to do it again but it, the power of suggestion the power of thought. And if we use that to create our future that we want to design for ourselves and for our families, the energy behind that is absolutely incredible. If you look at the science behind it, it is even more incredible. If you need further inspiration, read Napoleon Hill, um, uh, Think and Grow Rich because he talks about the energy that is behind that. And it's all energy. It's got nothing to do really about growing money off trees. It's all about the energy and the impact and the intent That you put behind something and that for me is what creating a future by design means it means opening up endless possibilities to people and going take your pick where do you want to go i've just
0: got a copy i haven't read yet but um think and grow rich for women
1: oh interesting yeah
0: which i'm looking forward to, to um getting stuck into so okay so can i just ask you if someone's stuck What advice do you have perhaps individually for the top three things everyone should be asking to kind of improve their leadership or to move past that feeling stuck?
2: It's a really great question. I was thinking about this uh, earlier and I think one of them is around asking amazing questions. And so this morning what I asked myself was what can I do today that's brave leadership? We're talking about brave leadership. So what is one thing that I can do that is brave leadership? And so that's one question. And then the others were, how do I show up as my best self today? And how do I help those around me show up as their best selves today? And I think that's just the power and the quality of asking good questions. Love it, Christina.
1: So for me, it's be insatiably curious, uh, like, and it, which goes along with Lisa's ask the questions. For me, it's also walk in nature. Go and enjoy the sound of the ocean, the birds in the park, you feed on the grass, or in the sand, or in the water. Maybe not the water right now because it's very cold. Although I know there's people that are still swimming, um, but but it's get right back into nature, into the basics, into the very simple things that make life beautiful. I mm-hmm. know uh, I was listening to a, a magpie that was sitting on a on a friend's fence yesterday, uh, and it was the most glorious wonderful sound, you know, um, and show gratitude. So Lisa and I both keep a gratitude journal so or, you know, journals and I think writing that and actually because I say if you you think it, you write it and you say it out loud, it, it embeds itself into you. So think of something that you're grateful for, write it down in a gratitude journal and then say it out loud. So, you know, I'm really grateful for. So right now I'm really grateful for having this conversation. It's, you know, it's a wonderful way to spend part of my day today so thank you mel for creating that opportunity um but and it's very much around meditating or dancing or yoga whatever whatever makes you feel good um that's where we need to start because at that base level of happiness and that base it's it's maybe not so much happiness it's that base level of contentment um, is where that inner growth and that that progress really Lisa, what did you do that
0: was brave leadership today when you asked yourself that question?
2: That actually is a really good question because I am uh, working on just writing everything down and journaling. So for myself, I wrote a list of all of the things that bring me bliss. And I thought, how do I actually ask that same question to other people in the team as well? So, you know, a lot of people focus on being happy. And I wrote four pages of all of the activities that bring me bliss. And I thought, okay, so if I'm showing up every day with a good mindset, then how do I do that and ask people those questions? So this question is now ripple effect on to yourself and all of the people watching uh, what today is going to bring you bliss.
0: So I'm going to change um, focus briefly and just say that, you know, the two of you are in an environment where you really are creating your own future. You, you know, singularity, you amongst all of the other initiatives that you're focused on. I'm going to turn my head to our sort of corporate environment in Australia. And in fact, it's a global sort of challenge, but we're really not seeing, we're still not seeing traction on women moving into core leadership roles. And so if I look at the top ASX as an example, top 200 over the last two years, uh, I think it's six out of 50, no, three, three out of 50 appointments were female CEOs. I just wonder whether you guys have perspective on maybe why we're not seeing that shift as quickly as we might hope. Do you want me to
2: go? Unfortunately, I don't know the stats well enough for it. I, I just want to encourage everyone to have the bravery and the courage to go out there and get what you want. And I think some of that comes with that mindset and the conversations of getting and focusing on what you want. And I'm not sure how many people are encouraging that. And so I know in large corporate environments, they're very set in their ways. And it's, you know, Christina and I are, are very entrepreneurial and we're able to act. Um, I used to have this saying about small business versus big corporates is that um, small business is like being in a speedboat and you can zip around and you can navigate whereas big business is like being on a cruise ship. And it's a lot more powerful how it takes, however, it takes a little bit longer to turn. And so there's a lot more persistence required. And I just hope that the systems and the frameworks in those big vehicles, those big cruise ships are encouraging it. And I know even more so now, i talking about brave leadership. I don't think I've ever heard any more uh, conversations or as many conversations about mindset and leadership than we have in the last 12 months through COVID. And I'm hoping that that will continually build this ripple effect and try having conversations, sticking together, surrounding yourself with positive thoughts to really shift that and, um, you know, be able to hopefully make those stats a lot better in the future. And Christina, your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I also think
1: um, that at the interview, at the point of interview, I think there's definitely a gender bias in some arenas. I don't think that gender bias is across all arenas. And I think that's been proven by some of the, the tests that have been done. Don't put your name or any gender on a CV that goes in. There's a higher number of women that are selected for interview than if the gender um, gender and the name is on, on that documentation. So that, that's one aspect of it. I think we're actually moving into a phase where we're now not looking at corporations as a thing and therefore there is more scope um, for that. that... It's not that men aren't gentle or they don't have that gentleness or that that all open empathic humanitarian approach, Um, but there's some element of that that is in the nurturing um, aspect of women that's not to say that men aren't nurturing but let's face it biologically we're different you know we're built differently for reasons Uh, so I think that aspect of a corporation and the empathy um, is growing in momentum I also believe that there are more you know I actually think that there's women that don't want a CEO role um, as well in a big corporation that they that they want to start their own business so the number of startup scale ups etc that we come across that are also um, led by women or co-founded by women that are making immense differences they've come out of corporate uh, so I think that there's that there's a whole lot of reasons it's the support that you get along the way I've been very blessed to have the most supportive male and female managers um, in my life I had one person in my whole uh, working life who was um at bullying status and it was a female Um, Mm -hmm. and I I don't know if I was more upset that I was being bullied or more upset that I was being bullied by a female but anyway but that's a very that's a very biased comment as well I think things are changing I think the more conversations we have the better Uh, I think the more opportunities women have the better and I also believe that in a in a interview situation when a woman's asked a question they'll think about it and they'll go can I do that Mm, yeah, yeah I think I can make that happen whereas a man will go yep can do that tick whereas we're more contemplative a little bit more considerate Uh, you know potentially we should just say yes we'll do it and figure it out later as well Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think there's a whole lot of contributing factors and hopefully they're all kind of merging with each other and we're becoming more aware of what's going on and we'll see more women who want to be in those roles in those roles Christina, top two technologies you're most excited about? Oh, I mentioned one before, that artificial heart transplant that Mm -hmm. happened because I'm very excited for my co-CEO, Lisa, over there who one day hopefully will get um, a kidney that's artificially so she'll never have to worry about having to have a, a, you know, a a transplant ever again. So I'm really excited to see where that's going to go. And I, I just think so my other technology, oh, there's so many of them, let me just pull one out of out of the hat and say um, nanorobots, because I believe that if we can inject nanorobots, and I know I don't believe that Bill Gates has put nanorobots in the COVID vaccines, but I do think that if we can target things like chemotherapy to specific cells via a nanorobot, wow, won't that like and if you've got a nanorobot going around your body going, oh look, bad cell, um how much better that will make people's lives as well.
0: You've touched on interestingly, and without knowing it at all, you've touched on two things that have come up in the series. One is, um, is breast cancer and chemotherapy. Um, And then the other thing is, um, is hearts, um, heart attacks and heart conditions. And one of the people I've interviewed for the series is Professor Gemma Figtree. Um, who's a wonderful interventional cardiologist in Sydney at the Royal North Shore Hospital. So um, incredibly exciting advances in technology. Lisa, you mentioned a couple earlier. Are they your top favourites
2: or what would you call out? Uh, I definitely think uh, longevity and anything related to longevity is one of them. And I think for all of us now and just talking on this call, there's a very strong chance that we'll live till we're at least 150 and because we'll reach longevity, escape velocity where technology will be able to keep us alive. Every day we're alive, keep us alive for an additional day just with the advancements that we're seeing. Mm. So um, that's definitely one. But then also the amount of devices and sensors to get to this future of perfect knowledge. So if you think at the moment, we've got currently on the planet 50 billion devices and about a trillion sensors. And in the next 10 years, we'll have about 500 billion devices and 100 trillion sensors, which is gonna allow us to know anything, anywhere, anytime. And I actually, I brought a little show and tell for you. Uh, This is the OrCam, it's a little camera. And uh, when we're talking about devices and sensors, I actually wear this camera now when I'm speaking And what it does, it connects to all of my social networks, Facebook, LinkedIn, and it is able to visually recognize people when they're approaching and it buzzes their name on my watch and my phone and any reminders or notes I've set for that person. And so I think we're very close with, I've had this for two years. So imagine walking down the street and then just having all these reminders and that recognition and with things like the Apple glasses augmented reality glasses coming out in September next year, I believe it is. Um, This technology is a lot sooner than we all think. How do people keep up? There is so
0: much. What sort of, have you got any simple tips about how people can kind of keep up with this? Yes.
2: Read. Um, there There is no way to keep up with everything that's happening in the world. So if you look at the technological advancements in the last 100 years and research them all, it would take you a long time. We'll see that amount of change in the next 10 years. And so what I like to share with people is to tune into rivers of information. So treat information as food. And so how do you, if you're at the buffet, how do you not get overwhelmed and overweight every day by eating donuts and whatever is marketed at you the most with sugar? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do the same with information. So create those rivers of information of what you want to be tuning into. So, for example, I had to block out all of the news and then just work out where I'm getting my updates from because of that negativity and the sugar that's um, that's always um, marketed towards you and so when christina says read it's choose what sort of information that you want to keep up with mm. or be an expert in or be exposed to and then protect your your brain with the diet that you design
0: mm, i love that um how do people get involved
1: or understand what's going on at singularity you Uh, Our website, our social media, we run um, an SUAU TV uh, broadcast that's available through our Facebook channel. We run Technologies of the Future on a Friday morning where we talk about the latest in technology and its impact um, on lives and its impact on society. Uh, Go to our website and reach out to us follow us on on social media ask questions engage we've also got chapters in several cities around australia Uh, we've got online programs Uh, we've got a a digital platform where you can access a whole lot of information we've got an inspired for impact podcast or you can email uh, or contact us through linkedin there's a variety of ways we love talking to people about what it is that we do uh, and we love um, helping people reach their full potential and, and expand impossible to possible.
0: I love earlier, Lisa, when you mentioned that it was about three years from attending Singularity U to the two of you meeting and, and this idea kind of exploding. And um, you may or may not be aware that in the first series, I interviewed Penny Lacasso, who's associated with Singularity U. And we had that exact conversation that for people who are thinking about making a change or for an idea that sparked, it often takes three years from, you know, the point of that idea to something sort of manifesting. I'm so glad the two of you met. Um, I'm sure many people in our audience will be glad the two of you met. I want to ask the final question to each of you. um, And Christina, perhaps you first on this one is... From your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership look like, and do you think it needs to change?
1: I think everything is on a constant uh, wheel of change. I think change is actually something that that isn't to be feared, and and is to be embraced. And I think another thing that this period of time that we're living through at the moment has accelerated our awareness of a lot of things and particularly accelerated our awareness that change is the constant. And if you look back throughout history, it has been. So what what does need to, everything needs to change. Everything needs to, um, to be looked at from a different perspective. It doesn't mean radical change in some instances. Brave feminine leadership means being secure in yourself it means giving yourself permission to be you and i remember another real and this this may sound um insignificant or trivial but i I remember i was constantly reading that meme you are enough you are enough you are enough and i'm going oh my god if i read that meme once more you know and then I was in a particular um, place in, in my being one day and I read, you are enough. And I really needed to hear those words. And I went, "Ah," oh, mm. and it landed. And I think for, for everybody, um, but particularly for females looking um, at their leadership path, to know you are enough, to know that imposter syndrome is something that is completely made up in our heads, to know that half the scripting we make up Uh, in our heads like we can turn a whole different issue scenario and we can script it the way we think it's coming out and then actually have an open honest conversation with someone and go oh my god how off base was I Um, so I think that realization that you are enough that you stand secure in the space that you hold and that you are totally honest upfront um and and there for yourself and for other people. And that if you're outward facing and what your real desire is, is to help other people, whether, you know, that's everyone on the entire planet, every single sentient being or your next door neighbor, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter. But for me, that's what brave leadership means. And I think we're all leaders, whether we're leading ourselves, our families, a corporation, a community, we're all leaders and we need to acknowledge and honor that space. What a beautiful
0: message for people. Lisa?
2: I believe brave feminine leadership is different for everybody and I think it's also different for us all every single day mm-hmm. and so how do we actually implement that into our daily routines to ask ourselves that question of what am I going to do today that is brave? And then how do you show up as your best self to be able to be in the right mindset, to be able to have that ripple effect and then help others show up also as their best selves? Keeping it simple and short for you there. Fantastic.
0: Um, I had my own personal example or version of the You Are Enough, which was a couple of years ago. And it was through yoga where um, someone said to me, "Um, you're perfect just the way you are. And that was really actually surprisingly challenging to hear um, you really have to absorb those messages messages don't you so I really love that you are enough um, and um, to both of you it's just been an absolute pleasure to meet the two of you uh, I'm so in awe and impressed of you know the relationship you've created and and what the two of you are focused on so encourage everybody to um, find singularity you through one of the channels find either of you. Um, through LinkedIn or wherever it may be. So thank you both so much for taking part in the conversation
1: and being so generous with your time. Thank you, Mel. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and, and we love your series.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: Hello there.
0: If you're enjoying the podcast and would love to accelerate your own growth and leadership, then head to bravefeminineleadership.com forward slash brave tips for your gift from me where I've captured all of the amazing tips and themes that came out of these conversations. I hope they help you feel your brave rising.